You are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland, Maine, and broadcast on 1310 AM Portland, streaming live each week at 11 AM on WLOBradio.com and available via podcast on drlisa.org. Thank you for joining us. Here are some highlights from this week's program. And what I know now is every single one of us has inner wisdom and has the ability to attract to us the resources, the people, the thoughts, the books that will make us whole. Every one of us has an inner guidance system. And I had to learn I'm not anyone else's higher power. As clever as I am, I'm not. (laughs) The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the generous support of the following sponsors. Maine Magazine, Tom Shepard of Hersey, Gardner, Shepard & Eaton, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Pierce Atwood, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari. Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belisle, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast for January 8th, 2012. The theme of today's show, which is show number 17, is wisdom. We are pleased today to offer a Mainer who's gone beyond the borders of our state and done things nationally and internationally as an author and a physician. Dr. Christiane Northrup spent a significant amount of time visiting with us in her Yarmouth, Maine office. And I'm not sure we've quite enjoyed an interview as much as we enjoyed that one, which I hate to say because we have many, many wonderful guests in studio. But this was a very special, wisdom-oriented interview. It wasn't wisdom in the classical sense, where you think of a sitting at the foot of a sage. It was the wisdom of a woman who has lived her life passionately and joyfully and authentically. This is a woman who knew what she needed to do in order to change her own life and begin changing the lives of women truly around the world. And she went forward with courage and really has achieved things that many people from Maine are not certain they can ever achieve. It was a privilege to be with this irreverent and quirky and funny tango dancing doctor from Yarmouth. I I think it's something that I aspire to myself someday, perhaps, to be a tango dancing doctor from Yarmouth. And in addition, we spoke to several representatives from the community school at Opportunity Farm up the coast in Camden, who spoke about an entirely different sort of wisdom, or maybe not entirely different, but the type of wisdom that um, comes from learning oneself at an earlier age, maybe learning oneself as a parent, and the type of wisdom that one is able to offer people around oneself. It's an interesting interview. Both interviews were very interesting, and we're pleased to be able to offer them this new year, 2012, because we at the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast know that wisdom is an integral part of health and wellness. We hope that you enjoy our show. Thank you for joining us. For our listeners who are looking for New Year's inspiration, we encourage you to buy the book, Our Daily Tread, which benefits the organization Safe Passage. The quote from Our Daily Tread today is from William James. 
The greatest revolution of our generation is the discovery that human beings, by changing the inner attitudes of their minds, can change the outer aspects of their lives. For more quotes like this, buy the book, Our Daily Tread, at islandportpress.com. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast each week features a segment sponsored by the University of New England called Wellness Innovations. This week's segment is about Dr. Christian Northrup, who we consider to be a wellness innovator in the field. Dr. Christian Northrup's number one New York Times bestseller, The Wisdom of Menopause, has inspired more than a million women with a dramatically new vision of midlife and will continue to do so for generations to come. As Dr. Northrup has championed, the change is not simply a collection of physical symptoms to be fixed, but a mind-body revolution that brings the greatest opportunity for growth since adolescence. The choices a woman makes now, from the quality of her relationships to the quality of her diet, have the power to secure vibrant health and well-being for the rest of her life. We're pleased to have Dr. Northrup on the show, and we are pleased to have the University of New England sponsor our show and this segment, Wellness Innovations. For more information on the University of New England, visit une.edu. Support for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour comes from the University of New England, UNE, an innovative health sciences university grounded in the liberal arts. UNE is the number one educator of health professionals in Maine. Learn more about the University of New England at une.edu. We invite you now to listen to our extended interview the one that Genevieve Morgan, my co-host, and I did with Dr. Christiane Northrup in her Yarmouth office. Internationally known for her empowering approach to women's health and wellness, Dr. Northrup is a leading proponent of medicine and healing that acknowledges the unity of the mind and body, as well as the powerful role of the human spirit in creating health. Following a career as a practicing physician in obstetrics and gynecology for over 25 years, Dr. Northrup has dedicated her life work to helping women and the men who love them learn how to flourish on all levels by creating health, prosperity, and pleasure in their lives. Genevieve Morgan and I have the great pleasure today to be speaking with Dr. Christiane Northrup, who is, like myself, a longtime Yarmouth uh, physician and resident, and um, she's also been a mentor of mine for quite a while, although she probably doesn't realize it. And the reason that we're especially interested um, today is that you are re-releasing one of your books. Yes, I am. I'm re-releasing The Wisdom of Menopause, third edition. It is about 20, 30% new material. And what I love about this edition is it really is a brand new book. Because if you think about what happened, the first edition was 2001. In 2002, the Women's Health Initiative, this huge government-sponsored Uh, trial of hormone replacement was stopped abruptly. I was in the middle of a whale watch in Cape Cod Bay and got called from um, one of the newspapers, Wall Street Journal, could I please talk about this? Because I had said in 94 in Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, that this study was using the wrong hormones at the wrong doses, and therefore they were not going to find out what they wanted to find out. And because of that, 2002, from that moment on, women have been thrown into a turmoil of what should I do? Are all hormones dangerous? 
Um, and all, so that's one separate conversation. But the real conversation of the wisdom of menopause is that menopause, perimenopause, a six to 13 year period, is a developmental stage in a woman's life. It is not a disease and it is not a hormone deficiency. Even though one in three women in this culture will have her ovaries out and she well may need a little dusting of hormones. And I say in the book the kind she needs and what dosages and, and all the rest and why the Women's Health Initiative was not the right thing to be doing. But the main thing is, and, and by the way, I said I'd never write a menopause book. So way back in the late 90s, I thought there were too many books out on menopause. I thought there were too many. This book started out as a little question and answer pamphlet because I'd done a PBS special called The Wisdom of Menopause. And I'd go around all the stations in the country raising money for PBS, and I'd take live call-ins you know, or the Denver, California, Tennessee, and the call-ins were all about what should I do with this hormone, that hormone, and all of that misses the point. And the point is that this is a crossroad stage in your life where you come to a crossroad and one, one fork says grow and the other says die. We know the beginning of chronic degenerative disease in women makes itself known at about the age of 50. Believe me, it's been cooking since you were 20. Maybe even earlier, as you know, the Bogalusa heart study shows that kids start to get heart disease by the age of eight. They've already got fatty streaks in their arteries. But what happens is things pick up steam in your 40s. They pick up steam in that little voice, your inner wisdom <laughs> saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't feel so good. And you watch women now, I know you've seen them, they, they get to about 45 or 50, and they either start getting better than they've ever been, or they start to get shorter, sadder, more depressed. And so what I wanted to do, because when I first wrote the book, I was going through a divorce and coming out on the other side, and I refused to believe that this was the end of my life. I just refused to believe it. Can I interject for one second? Yeah. How old were you then? 49. 49, so you were absolutely right in right the there. thick of it. Yeah, and it happened, interestingly enough, uh, my first Oprah appearance was January of 1999, and <laughs> the marriage ended the next day. <laughs> Did you know when you went on Oprah? No. So, no. Absolutely did not know. And it was the middle, you know, a main winter, January, right? When everything feels so dead. And that year, we had a lot of snow. So the snow is like two thirds of the way up my window. And my kids have now one went to Chewankee, one was in college. And um, another person who lived with us, a, a nanny helper person had left. And so I went from a household of five to just me in one year. And I remember it because you know how dark it gets and there's the snow and you're utterly alone. And so I was in the crucible of, whoa, is this it? Is this all there is? And I went to visit my mother on Y2K. You know that it was going to be 2000. We didn't know if the lights were going to come back on. Okay. So I'm there with my kids and we're having a big New Year's Eve party. And again, I'm alone. Everyone's dancing with her. Everyone's ignoring me. And I thought, uh, oh, and my brothers went out with their wives and their friends and I was alone. And I thought, oh, this is it. So now I'm this, the family spinster. 
I'm going to be my mother's date for the rest of my life. Wrong. But I had no, I had no idea how I was going to change that. No idea. So I want to really say to any woman who's going through this, who's, who's so afraid of change, I, you know, I, I, there's so much life after this, but you have to go through this dark night of the soul in order to reinvent yourself. Every time cells divide and every time we become someone new, something has to die. Having a baby, your, your maidenhood dies, your freedom dies. Uh, my daughter's in a new relationship and she's starting to grieve her single life in New York City. And she didn't, she was uh, so shocked by this. So it's a developmental stage. And menopause is the big wake-up call developmental stage. And the message I'd like to get to women, and I, you know, again, it's a sort of breaking trail in that regard, uh, was that everything has the possibility to get better. You can get taller. Through Pilates, I'm taller. And you can get more flexible. I'm more flexible. You can wake up your erotic anatomy. See, women think, oh, you know, after menopause, you know, no more sex drive. What I say, the number one predictor of a good sex drive after menopause is a new partner. Now, what I tell women is you don't need a new partner most of the time. You need to become a new partner. Which you said in the main magazine article that yes. Genevieve interviewed that's, you That's for. right. We had fun at, on we that. Really, we really and, did and it was, have fun. And it was a great article. When did that come out? Um, that May, came out in it? May of last year, and yeah. it's available actually online. So I love Maine can Magazine. Can I just say, you know, this is not well, a paid, you. you know, but <laughs> I really love the magazine, and my daughter gets it, and it's gorgeous. Love yes. it. Well, you know, I think what it does is what you've done from the very beginning, which is there's a lot of stuff happening in Maine, some really unique individual trailblazing ideas and entrepreneurs, and they're all here. And at Maine Magazine, we try to turn the the focus on them. But you've been doing that now for, yeah, to, you know, long breaking time. trail for a long, <laughs> long time. Long time. And this is a very good place to do it, first of all, because it's peaceful here. It's calm. We get all upset. You know, if there's four cars at a light, we call it rush hour. It's a, it's a very high quality of life. And when you're going through something like uh, the death of an old self, this is a really good place to heal. You'll notice Maine has more really solid holistic healers than any place I've ever been. Really, I mean, amazing people. And for our population, that shouldn't be happening. What I want everyone in New York City to know is if they get a cheap ticket on JetBlue, they can save money by getting their health care here. <laughs> Which is a good thing for you to be talking about because, of course, I we've been doing, you've been doing women, or you were doing women-to-women women work for such a long time yes. here in Yarmouth. And I do think that there is something even specific to Yarmouth. There's an interesting energy that people can feel. We have a lot of artists. We have a lot of writers. We have a lot of healthcare providers who have been doing interesting things for a long time. Absolutely. Then there's Bethany Hayes down at True North. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to me that when I have to write down on a form, you know, an insurance form or something, who my doctor is, I just have a, I have a, a team. I've got Fernzow up the end of the street, acupuncture. I got my massage therapist, Julie. But a doctor doctor, you know, like a standard Western doctor, I don't do that unless I have to have an insurance form filled out because 
I actually have found that most of what happens to you that a Western doctor would have to fix, other than a broken bone or a hip replacement or something, you can prevent by your own lifestyle and by your thoughts and, and so on. And again, that's what I put in the, in the book, which is really an owner's manual for the midlife body and beyond. I also, let me be clear, I have a mother who went to Everest Base Camp at age 85. And you could say, because people do, well, that's your genes. It's not my genes. Her mother died at age 68 of heart disease. So it's a combination of what It's a you combination. Have and we and need to, yeah, it. we need to understand um, post RNA transcriptase in a cell. We need to understand that the environment in which they find themselves is what turns on a gene or turns off a gene. And it's interesting to me that our bone marrow makes stem cells our whole lives. And the stem cell goes right out of your bone marrow and it goes into the organ that needs to be repaired. However, it will repair it according to the script you're giving it. And if you're giving it a die script, guess what? You're going to start getting cardiovascular disease, arthritis, diabetes, all the stuff that clearly the state of Maine is in a big crisis now around Medicaid. But if you look at what is the single biggest bang for the buck in terms of health care, 30 minutes a day of exercise. Decreases uh, Alzheimer's incidence 45%, osteoporosis 60%, depression, mood swings 50%. I mean, come on. What if we just had, you know, those blue zones that they have, blue zones where we had the walking school bus and everyone just walks the kids to school for 30 minutes and everyone does it together? How much fun would that be? And then there you have it. Of course, there's, you know, there's nobody who's going to make a buck on everyone going out and exercising 30 minutes a day. Well, and I also think people are resistant to change. And there is a change that happens physiologically during menopause. But Lisa and I spoke, uh, I think it was two shows ago, about the kidneys being the source of fear and wisdom in Chinese medicine. Which Yeah, and cold. And cold. I mean, <laughs> um, and I'm interested to go back to what you were saying about how when you were in the crucible yeah, and how you broke open... Mm-hmm. Through, through fear and this terribly dark period of your life. Yeah. And you had to go through that to open to love. And you speak in your book about the, the energy of Thanatos and Eros. Yes. And I love that. I was wondering if you could speak to our listeners a little bit more. Yeah, it has to do with uh, faith in something more. I, I think you don't really get through life without a philosophy that works for you. So when I was Mm, 11, 12, 13. I read everything by Edgar Cayce, The Sleeping Prophet, Many Mansions. Um, and I also read books by Flower Newhouse, who was a Christian mystic who saw angels. And so when I read that book, I was so excited. And I went to my mother and I said, oh my God, everything that I always thought was true is true. Look at these angels. This woman draws pictures of them. And there was an angel of birth, angel of fire, all these nature spirits. And so my whole life, I've known that there's something more. I've even known that there isn't any death. I mean, I had to put my cat to sleep this uh, about a month ago. And um, my Pilates teacher came to the house. She said, I thought I was going to miss him, really miss him. He was very special, except that he's right here. He's right there. He comes in every time I have a massage. She feels him. It helps enormously when you understand that there is no death. Now, the body 
is, I, I have a good friend, Gladys McGarry, who's a family physician, six kids, and she was giving a talk. And, uh, and she said, anti-aging medicine. At the time, she was 88. She goes, anti-aging. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, like, I love that. Because we are all going to shed the shell of this body. But I think the whole trick is, you know, to die young as late as possible. We'll return to our feature after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Akari, an urban sanctuary of beauty, wellness, and style, located on Middle Street in Portland, Maine's Old Port. Follow them on Facebook or go to akaribeauty.com to learn more about their new boutique and medispa. And by Robin Hodgkin, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney in Portland, Maine. For all your investment needs, call Robin Hodgkin at 207-771-0888. Investments and services are offered through Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. So my mother goes to Everest Base Camp, you know, and is, I think, the oldest person to make it up there. It's um, 17,000 feet. There's half the air. And it's 100 miles, pretty much straight up. And uh, that's how she gets her kicks, always has. I can't stand that stuff. So you have to find, this is, how do you do this? You have to find what you truly, truly love. So what is the dream that that you had when you were 9, 10, 11? That comes roaring back. That's your life force. The only way you're going to find out what it is, you can ask your mother, but if she isn't around... Or if she doesn't have the ability to see that part of you. It's like uh, Daniel Giamario, shamanic astrology. He says, what if you're purple, but you grew up in a family where they only recognize green? Then it's going to be very hard for you to know what that thing is. But I can tell you, I'll give you a hint. It's the thing that feels too good to be true. It's like too much fun to be true. And in my case, that's Argentine tango at the moment. I mean, it's like I go in there, you know, to Portland and I go, how is it that I'm doing this? That we've got this eclectic, eclectic community, doctors, lawyers, carpenters, engineers, computer geeks, guitar players, and everyone is dancing in close embrace for three and a half minutes where we're totally with the music and in love with life for three and a half minutes, and nobody drinks. We do some chocolate. And and it's this community of people because we're all drawn to this thing. Now, it would be the same. I was interviewed by a general surgeon once. I loved her show, Breast Surgeon, and she said, I always wanted to keep bees. And so when I was, I guess, 56, my first beehive arrived, and they arrive in a box. And she says, and the box was humming, and it was like Reiki on steroids. So that's what you want to find, because you have this vocational arousal that happens around menopause. And the other thing that I did was I was updating Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And that was in about 2004, 2005. And there was a book on my shelf. I've got massive numbers of books. And it was called ESO, Extended Sexual Orgasm. And I went on to Amazon to see if there was anything updated. 
you know, like most physicians, I did research in my head. God forbid you would never actually do that research, but you could read about it. So I go on Amazon to see what's new. Did this guy have anything new? No, he did not. But what I found was the illustrated guide to extended massive orgasm. Let's talk good marketing, right? I have this book, by the way. You got it. Yeah, by by Vera and Steve Bodansky. I need this book. Okay, you do. I think you do need this book. Yeah, but there's a a way better one. It's called (laughs) Women's Anatomy of Arousal uh, Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure by Sherry Winston, who's a midwife. Yeah, okay, that's good. She should. Sherry was just up at Leapin' Lizards. I did, the, I did the whole day orgasmic abundance class. It was hilarious. It was really, really fun. But I digress because we had to start somewhere. And I'm, I'm, you know, cutting to the chase here with massive amounts of nitric oxide soaring oh, through the body. Explain to the listeners about that. Yeah. That's, this is very interesting. It is. Well, this, this is the story that, that led to this. So I get the Illustrated Guide to Extended Massive Orgasm and it held water as a biofeedback mechanism, which is the more, okay, so I knew the clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings, their only purpose is pleasure. And from there, from that book, then it said people who ordered this book, ordered this book, you know how Amazon, it's really brilliant. And I sit there at night, you know, same with iTunes, it's addictive. Okay, and I see Mama Gina's Owners and Operators Guide to Men, and Mama Gina's um, whatever it is, uh, 101, um, Womanly Arts 101. Which Jen and I have both read, yeah, thanks now, to you. Good. So, so you're I out saw there her. like making lots of money for these yeah, people, well, apparently. Good. You know, because I think that's the abundant model. So I uh, then, right about then, I read her book, realized from a scientific perspective, her books were derivative works of the Bedansky's books. So they were talking about a sensory experience in the body that you could extend and feel more and more and more by being present and relaxing. That made complete sense to me. And then Regina was taking that concept and making it macrocosmic in your life. So something that happens in a minute area of the body, the clitoris, you can then take out into the world in this more massive way. So this was the chapter that really got me and it was called turn it on for a dork did i mention this earlier you did, yeah you did. And yeah it, and it's great and it's great and it's actually a great exercise it's you a know, great exercise in enjoying your life yes, so absolutely. i then went on to teach at the school of womanly arts and did you actually try this exercise yourself in your own life oh absolutely absolutely here's my goal ready here's the goal everything that i learn out there in a book or at mama genus or whatever I just bring back to yarmouth if this stuff is real, well, it's no going to work we're here. Such a rocking, energetic. That's right. No, it's going to work in Maine. If it if it's if it isn't scientifically accurate, it won't work. Plus, it was not okay for me. Like I watched many women that come from all over the world to New York City, go to Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, or go study with the Badanskys and you know do their sensual whatever. It's not enough to think that your source is that person's work, that person's work, your source is here. And you want to bring it home and make it work here in your own backyard. So I go and I teach at Mama Genus. And the, and the key for me, the sort of turning point, that one quarter turn was at men's night, a guy getting up in his 70s and saying ever since his wife started to do this course of Mama Genus School of Womanly Arts, 
he no longer needs Viagra. Okay, what's the science there? It's nitric oxide. Viagra, Cialis, the erection-enhancing drugs, all work by increasing nitric oxide at the level of the cell. Nitric oxide is produced by the endothelial lining of every blood vessel in your body. And it is a gas that goes throughout the body instantaneously. It cannot be stored. It's not like vitamin D. And it increases circulation instantly, which is why a man gets an erection, but it increases circulation throughout the body. And exercise will do it. Eating dark green leafy vegetables increases nitric oxide. Any pleasurable activity will increase nitric oxide. And it is the uber neurotransmitter. So high levels of nitric oxide, and by the way, it'll stay high for about 12 hours after an aerobic workout, which is why people feel so much better after they exercise, because it changes the levels of serotonin, dopamine, beta endorphin, and so on. But you see, there's no, there's no pill for this. It, it, pleasure is the pill, a pleasurable activity. Now, what I say is, if you don't go for pleasure deliberately, you're going to go for it by default, and that would be alcohol and sugar are the usual things, and not moving. You know, you talked about fear earlier. How do you get through people don't like to change? How do we get through the fear? And I think, you know, the old Anis Nin quote, which is when the fear of, st- of the bud staying closed is greater than the fear of moving forward, you just have to change. And I knew that there had to be more. And I also knew that there was no way I was going to buy the cultural prescription. I had a woman on my radio show yesterday. She calls in, right? She's 50, having the best sex of her life, younger boyfriends, all good, except that she had her first kid at the age of 21. So now she's about to be a grandmother. Okay, the new guy goes, I don't think I'm ready for this part of the program. Meaning, you know, being with a grandmother. I said, so what part of the program would that be? Staying home, knitting afghans, being the default setting for the grandchild, going to live in a trailer in Florida? What? What is the part of the program? Because hanging around little kids primes you for youth. Don't do it in the old Grammy way. Don't do it that way. Teach your kids yoga, qigong, do fun things with them. And don't be the default setting when they need a babysitter. My brother, uh, when his third grandchild was about to be born, I said, so what do you think, having three granddaughters? He goes, that's their problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to laugh because he and his wife run a whole new, they're both private pilots. They fly all over the place. And and, you're not a grandmother at this point. Yeah, No, and I really am not interested in being a grandmother at this point. I I actually, I have to tell you, I, I don't understand the women who start pressuring their daughters into, you know, can't you have a grandchild for us? To me, that means that they're not living their own dream. They're not living their own dream. Anytime... Okay, and let's, let's talk about this, because one of the things that happens at menopause is you're tempted. For many of us, our kids are in college then. And I've noticed there's this whole new trend that I think is ridiculous, where parents are going to every uh, sporting event that their kids have in college. This is like, helicopter parenting. Yeah, are you kidding me? Like, when are you going to let go and get a life? 
We'll return to our feature after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Thomas Shepard of Hersey Gardner Shepard & Eaton, an Ameriprise Platinum Financial Services practice in Yarmouth, Maine. Dreams can come true when you take the time to invest in yourself. Learn more at AmeriprizeAdvisors.com and by Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Do you think that you have gotten better at doing things like setting up boundaries? You think? Your, it seems oh my to me God. you have, no, but no, I just want so you to speak to it's so much better. Before, uh, before I, had, I had no idea because I'm, I am actually in my soul a healer. And, um, and I have a Pisces moon. And so that means that, you know, I'm actually... So you want to be a caregiver. I'm you like want to Mother take Teresa. care of people. There's nothing like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember the rush. And I don't know if you remember this from your training. When I would have two people in the emergency room, four people in labor and delivery, an emergency here, there, or the other. I, I felt like Florence Nightingale, the lady with the lamp. There's a high that comes with that. It's addictive. And what happens with that is... If you don't notice that, then you're always going from one emergency to the next. You need the emergency to feel alive. This is really important. I talked to a a guy yesterday, a doctor out in California, and he told me the story of one of his patients whose husband was an alcoholic, and then the woman found out that he'd been having an affair with the neighbor for 12 years, and she had a blood condition of... um, really thickened blood. So she had a, she was in a hypercoagulable state. Um, I think some kind of thing with platelets, too many, whatever. And we would call that pre-leukemia. She kept using the, the phrase, I'm the glue that keeps the family together. I'm the glue that keeps the family together. Well, bl- blood is family. Blood conditions are always related to first chakra family. And as soon as she heard herself say it, and as soon as he pointed it out to her, and she forgave her husband and got a divorce and all that and stopped being the glue, all of her blood levels went back to normal. Right, because when you're hypercoagulable, your blood is gluey. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's but going back gluey. to you and your So first thing that happens is you feel guilty. You feel tremendously guilty. So we need help. We need people to watch us doing what we do so naturally. And, and they need to tell us, one of the first for me, I'm sitting over, you know, in the office at Women to Women, and I called up Carolyn Mace, the medical intuitive, to get a reading. I didn't know her at the time, and I wanted to see if she was any good. It was 1987. She says to me, you are a rescue addict. Do you hear me? A rescue addict. And your heartbeat has changed in the past two years. So watch it. She's a triple Sagittarius. She's not known for, you know, putting cotton around the message. And I got it. Because all of us at that time had closed the office on several occasions to go do uh, treatment for our codependence. You know, we were sure that when we started Women to Women, all our problems in the conventional medical system would go away because we were creating a special place for women and blah, blah, blah. And we noticed in two years, we were more burnt out than we'd been in the old system. There weren't any of the old system people around. The old system lived within us. So we said, we've met the enemy and she is us. So I at least understood recovery. And I understood the 12-step program. I used to go to Al-Anon. 
uh, to admit I was powerless over my patient's behavior. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> so get them to do things. your patients were your addiction then? Yes. Rescuing was my addiction. Absolutely. Do you still feel yourself drawn to rescue people? Uh, no. No. It's interesting. I, it's almost like I've been immunized. And when I have a person who is not rescuable, whatever the word is, yeah. when I have that happen, I know it because it's almost like the antibody titer rises. In the past, I was drawn to these people, any doctor or nurse or, what, or mother who's listening will understand this, where they have a, a jewel-encrusted hook in which they want you to impale yourself. Help me, help me, help me. You know, you're the only one who can help me. Thank God I found you. You're the only one who can help me. Okay, and if you so desperately need to be wanted and you desperately want to be valuable, holistic medicine gives you hundreds more tools to do that than conventional medicine. So there, there's a real trap there. And what I know now is every single one of us has inner wisdom and has the ability to attract to us the resources, the people, the thoughts, the books, that will make us whole. Every one of us has an inner guidance system. And I had to learn, I'm not anyone else's higher power. As clever as I am, I'm not. <laughs> well, and you practice a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a daily, yeah, it's a daily practice. And I don't have the kind of family, you know, we don't do guilt around the holidays. We don't, I don't have any social gathering that I go to out of obligation, not one. That's one of the things I love about Maine. It's like in general, we don't seem to do that. I mean, I remember once I had a patient, she said to me, I don't understand it. I moved here from Connecticut or whatever. And she said, and I had a dinner party and no one came. Or, you know, it's like she thought that you have these kill off parties where you're obligated because they gave you, it's like, yeah, well, no one does that here. They'll be with you if you need, you know, if you need firewood or a generator, but no one's going to just come to a party out of obligation. Well, if they are, I don't know who they are, and I don't want to be around them. <laughs> we expect others to see what our need is and meet it. So I remember sitting around labor and delivery, you know, sometimes I'd be in there 72 hours, and I'd watch the shift of nurses come. Have you had your break? Have you had your break? And they'd take care of each other. Have you had your break? And I'm thinking... No one's asking me if I've had my break. You know, so you get into the martyr thing. Like, no one is helping me out here. And what you have to do is resist the urge to have that righteous indignation, which is a major health risk. Resentment and chronic anger is associated with cancer, depression, heart disease. It's an independent risk factor. And depression, as you know, is anger turned inward. So I'd much rather have a woman flailing around, as long as I'm not in the crosshairs, than going around depressed. You need to tell your story, let's say your divorce story or whatever is the story, but listen for your needs. And if you go on the internet, the Center for Nonviolent Communication, cnvc.org, Marshall Rosenberg's site, he's got a list of emotions and a list of the needs that those signify. And one of the most powerful things you can do is tell your story to a person who's sitting there listening to you 
and have them ask you, do you need acknowledgement? Do you need to grieve? Do you need social support? What is the need that that anger is signifying? Did you have this when you were going nope. through your nope. transition? No, I did not. No. So but what I do, you know, in retrospect, as, as a doctor, as a healer, I always look for, wow, if I had had this, wouldn't that have been great? Well, and that's a good point, Lisa. What if you are going through some of these changes or you're, you're noticing these mm. things happening to yourself, um, but you're in a situation, you know, you, you aren't where you were, where, which was feeling very alone. Right. But you have a, a husband or a partner who's really not ready for you to go off and follow your pleasure. Or oh, now, this children. is really interesting. Yeah. This, this thing about our husband, that's so common because we're not the same people we were when we got married. You know, I was married at 25. Um, now what I will tell you about women is women set the tone for health in every family. What we women do is our knee jerk reaction is to blame the guy if our life isn't working out and we expect him, this is why for men, you know, I would think the most terrifying day of the year would be Valentine's Day because you, you have to come up with something and you have to tell her, you have to get the right gift. Except that because women don't know what they want and they don't know what they need, they haven't told him, if you loved me, you would know. You, okay, just I want to repeat that. If you loved me, you would know. If anyone ever says that to you, run the other way as fast as you can because the only person who can know is you. Now, I am not saying, you know, I know that in my case, and let me state this clearly because it's so politically incorrect to do it, so I must. I know that if I had stayed married, I would be dead of breast cancer now. I know it in every cell of my body. The yearning, the longing, for things to be different, and the resentment because they weren't. So the, the, what each woman has to do is figure out what is her pleasure and how is she going to go for her pleasure. And what, hap what I've seen happen so many times, I can't even begin to tell you, is that when a woman does that, the people in her life either leave or they come around and get on the pleasure train with her. Well, I have one last question from my part to ask you, Dr. Mm -hmm. Northrup. It's been so nice to hear everything. I feel like you're speaking directly to me, and I'm, I just turned 45, so yeah. I'm right there. Yeah. Um, but I, I've read all of your work, and I've followed you for a long time, and so much of what's going on right now in wellness is what you've been saying for the past, mm, I don't know, let's say three decades. We'll <laughs> yeah, do that. that's about right. <laughs> I'm wondering, it's, it's January 2012. Yeah. And looking forward, what do you what do you see ahead of you, and what do you see ahead in the field of wellness, if anything? Well, what is going to have to happen? Because we have an unsustainable disease care system. It's just not sustainable. Maine is one of those homes of sustainable living. So I like to say, as Maine goes, so goes the planet. I also read in the paper we have a thirty percent higher energy expenditure here for businesses than anywhere else in the country. And at the same time, I read in Rob Bresney's astrology that there is a little town in Germany that now makes $321 million a year or something 
um, or by they become energy self-sufficient, so they sell their energy back to the main grid. So I know that that's what will happen in Maine, that we will become a national leader in energy self-sufficiency because we have to. Now, this is the hero's journey. Joseph Campbell points out that we don't change until we have to do battle with the forces of darkness within us. Right now in our political system, in our healthcare system, we're doing that. And it's no surprise to my audience that big pharma, uh, big chemical, um, big everything has been running things. You know, like GMOs with Monsanto and all of that stuff. Um, Increasingly, that is going to fall away. And organic farming and sustainable living, but with beauty, like the way you do Maine Magazine, you see, it's beautiful. I want high production values. I think wellness is finally coming out of where it was when I started, which is Birkenstocks and moths flying out of the grain bins at the Good Day Market. You know, to be in the wellness, it it had to be ugly. Um, And... (laughs) I've talked to uh, uh, Maria Rodale, and, uh, you know, she started Rodale Press. And she said she was bringing the pleasure back into uh, natural foods and that sort of thing. So I see that happening more and more. I am so proud of the fact that Portland, Maine is the number one small foodie city. You know, I really just can't get enough of it. And when my daughters come back from New York City, they say, wow, this is like a really romantic town. Yeah, yeah. So I see that happening for myself personally. I have uh, three weeks planned in Buenos Aires with Emma Holder, who has her radio show Shaken and Stirred on WMPG. She's the whole reason I'm doing tango. I watched her go across the window, main ballroom dance, you know, and I said, oh, that's what I want to do. And so I see everyone understanding that bringing their own light into their life is the number one way you save the planet. You don't do it through getting exhausted, through getting burned out. How you do it is what you get. That's a perfect way to end the conversation we've been having. And it's a great way to start the new year. We, We know you are everywhere all the time. (laughs) And we really appreciate your taking the time to come into our relatively new radio show and spend some some quality minutes with us. Why, thank you. You know, I'm always a big supporter of whatever starts right here in Maine. of this show is wisdom and the bountiful blog is all about wisdom the wisdom that we find in our own selves and in our own lives specifically wisdom that enables us to have our own voice this bountiful blog post is from october 30th 2011 it is entitled own voice resonance many things can get in the way of us hearing our own song Static in this world abounds. Hearing our own voice and truly listening to the song that comprises our heart and soul are again two different things. The listening, and perhaps modulating how and what we choose to sing, 
can be a challenging task. Not only are we prevented from hearing by virtue of the static around us, we are also prevented from believing in what our words might represent. There is a constant chorus of other voices around and within us, calling us like sirens to potential shipwreck. Not that we should ever stop listening to the voices of others. We cannot, however, allow these voices to be more persuasive than our own. We cannot rely exclusively or even primarily on the voices of others when it comes to determining our actions, thoughts, or emotions. We must, instead, listen to ourselves. This is a skill, like all skills, we must practice regularly. We must learn to resonate with the song that we ourselves are creating. We must learn to love the sound of our own song. For more posts, like this one, go to bountiful-blog.com. We'll return to our feature after acknowledging the following generous sponsors. Pierce Atwood has been a part of Portland's legal community for 120 years. Informed decision makers turn to Pierce Atwood for help with important deals or critical disputes, for creative solutions, and for sound advice about legal or business strategy. For more information on Pierce Atwood, go to www.pierceatwood.com. And by Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, makers of Dr. John's Brainola cereal. Find them on the web at orthopedicspecialistsme.com. On today's Give Back segment, I'm very pleased to have in the studio with me representatives from Opportunity Farm and uh, Community School. You call yourselves the Community School or Community Schools? The Community Schools at Opportunity Farm in Camden. Okay, very good. And the reason that we have you here is because a very dear friend of mine who's sitting in the studio, but she is not on mic, um, Emma, she has just recently joined your organization. So I figured if Emma's involved, it must be a good organization to be a part of formerly of the Portland Museum of Art, which was also a good organization. But we're going to talk about you guys today. So Martha's sitting right next to me. She's going to lean in and, I think, tell me a little bit. Who are you, Martha? Tell me. Uh, I'm Martha Kemp. I'm the director of the Passages program, which is our home-based teen parent program at the schools. And I got involved through uh, actually living through the difficulty of my own child going through high school and feeling the the need to support all students no matter what their background and what their needs um, to finish high school. And we also have Dottie across the way, across the microphone. Hi, Dottie. Hi. <clears throat> yes, I, I came to the community school four years ago, uh, having taught um, adolescent psychology for UMaine for a number of years, and uh, really realized they wanted to get back directly into the work of working with adolescents. And um, our at-risk at youth um, are key components to our communities in Maine, and they need a high school diploma. And uh, what we can do at the community school is actually provide an individual, individualized high school diploma to these students. And uh, so my background actually was banking, um, developing adolescent programs, um, doing social justice work with adolescents, and uh, now coming back into uh, actually running two schools with um, pretty incredible colleagues. Hmm. And I think there's another incredible colleague sitting next to you, Joseph. Tell me who you are. 
Uh, my name is Joseph Huffnagel. I'm the director of residential programs at the community schools. And I, um, I got involved four years ago, around the same time as Dottie. Um, and um, the reason I'm involved is because I have a real genuine passion for um, working with alternative education, but in particular helping teenagers to discover their strengths and to feel inspired about life in the future. And, um, and previously, I, I've worked in education um, as a teacher in public schools, as an administrator, and as a, a, an outdoor adventure guide. So, um, so all those things come into play when I'm working with my residential team and the students at the community schools. You're doing incredible work. I'm sure you could use some help. So Dottie, tell me, how can we help? How can the community come together and help your organization? And how can we learn more about your organization? Hmm. Thank you. Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, we, we certainly have volunteer opportunities. Um, our students, again, have, have mentors, um, tutors. Uh, certainly, um, individuals helping us with development um, is a great idea. We, our, our students um, often, oftentimes, as you can imagine, come from low-wage working families or poverty. Um, this is a private alternative high school, so uh, I raise about 70% of the budget, um, MNI. And uh, it's really important that, um, that these students um, have access to a high-quality education. We provide that. Um, and, uh, you know, donations, uh, working on fundraising projects, helping us with events, having dinner parties, um, that sort of thing is really helpful. Um, you know, getting the word out, getting the word out that these are students um, that have amazing strengths. Um, they oftentimes come from a place where they were um, treated as if they were deficits, or they had deficits, sort of damage-based history. And we, um, our work is really about strength-based strength work and positive youth development. Um, and we use restorative justice practices. So there are a lot of pieces of our curriculum, very progressive curriculum, that um, our communities can learn from and, and other schools can learn from. Um, How can we learn more about your organization? Well, listen to this radio show. Um, <laughs> of course, we're assuming that, right? Do you have a website? Do you have a yes. Facebook presence? We do have a website, thecommunityschool.org. And um, that's all being updated and revamped because of the merger. So please, you know, please keep an eye on it. Um, and um, yes, Facebook. Yes, I think I've seen you on Facebook. So, well, not you yes. specifically, but I, I've seen your organization on Facebook. So right. people can go there and like that right. page so that they can learn more about you. And we'll link through on the Dr. Lisa um, website as well. Mm -hmm. um, and another, another piece of, of what we're doing that is going to be fairly public is um, because we use restorative justice practices um, in our work. And I'm not sure if I should go into that whole conversation. but Well, just a, briefly, tell me what a restorative justice practices. Yeah, restorative justice actually um, helps um, individuals come back into relationship when they've engaged in a wrongdoing or, or a harm, um, bringing um, victims and, and perpetrators together. That being said, we use it at a, at a very basic level and a foundational level um, in a hybrid model in the fact that we have a circle every week that brings conversation and dialogue around, around challenging conversations and conflict every single week so that it doesn't get to escalate to the point where it, it, it needs to be re restored through um, sort of a punishment model, uh, punitive model, suspension, detention, um, uh, expulsion. So we are, we're always pulling our students back into relationship and that's what restorative practices do. And we actually will be having, we're working on um, a restorative justice institute. The community school not necessarily is working on it, but there's a group of us that, um, that 
are working on uh, having a restorative justice institute at the farm where we actually train other schools. We train um, administrators, teachers, guidance counselors in schools to use this model um, that has been so successful for us. We've had a 100% graduation rate for the last two and a half years, three years right now, um, because of restorative practices. And when you look at these students were at risk of non-completion, they were, you know, we, the, the common word is dropouts, um, and we've been able to pull them back into school, which is another piece of, of wisdom. You know, they were wise enough to come back to school um, and stay in school and finish the high school diploma. Um, it's, a, it's a great statement for other schools in terms of shifting their models from the punishment model to a model that is restorative. So information about this and how to help your organization is available on your website. We'll link through to your website. Thank you very much for coming in, Dottie and Joseph, and my friend Martha, who's sitting right so close to me next to the microphone. It's been great to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, and thank you to our donors and to Maine Magazine and all those that support us. Thanks yes. very much. Thank you. Today's show was about wisdom, the wisdom that comes from within us, should we choose to listen to our own song? Should we choose to resonate with our own lives? Dr. Christian Northrup is a woman, mother, and physician who is resonating with her own life and listening to her own song. Our interview with her ranged far and wide, and we know that people who are listening will be inspired one way or the other and will want to look further into her book, The Wisdom of Menopause, or perhaps her book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. We encourage listeners to go to our website, and we will refer them on to her website. We also encourage individuals who may be inspired by the community school at Opportunity Farm to look more into this valuable resource and to perhaps lend some support in this area if you are so inspired. Every week, we hope we bring a little wisdom into your life. There's much wisdom to be had from many sources in this world. And if we can be one of those sources, we are grateful and humbled. Thank you for letting us be a part of your life this week and every week. Learn more at doctorlisa.org. Like us at Dr. Lisa on Facebook. Send us an email through our website. Give our office a call, 207-847-9393. Or perhaps best of all, become a podcast subscriber and have us delivered weekly into your inbox. Thank you for being a part of our world. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the generous support of the following sponsors. Maine Magazine, Tom Shepard of Hersey, Gardner, Shepard & Eaton, Robin Hodgkin at Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, Dr. John Herzog of Orthopedic Specialists in Falmouth, Maine, Pierce Atwood, UNE, the University of New England, and Akari. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is recorded in downtown Portland at the offices of Maine Magazine on 75 Market Street. It is produced by Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Original content produced by Chris Cast and Genevieve Morgan. Our assistant producer is Jane Pate. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. For more information on our hosts, production team, 
Main Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, visit us at drlisa.org. Tune in every Sunday at 11 a.m. for the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour on WLOB Portland, Maine, 1310 a.m. or streaming wlobradio.com. Podcasts are available at drlisa.org.